Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, we're going to continue in a really fun message on the deeds of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. (laughs) And I'm intentionally a little sarcastic with that. But we're growing, amen? So um, I wanna, I'm going to read a, a, the verses out of 1 Thessalonians 4, excuse me, this morning. But you can go to Galatians chapter 5 and just listen. Paul said this in verse 1, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you, and this is the verse that the Lord emphasized to me, should know how to possess his own vessel. Somebody say this with me. Say, it's my job to possess my vessel. In the Amplified, it says this, that each one of you should know how to possess, control, manage his own body or her own body, that's a gender-neutral term, in consecration, purity, separated from things profane, and honor. How many, I want you to realize this, how many know this, that you did not earn your salvation? So no amount of holy living is earning your salvation. What it is, is protecting you from destruction. So let's go over to to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, And I'm probably the one that needs to get there. You're already there, of course. But I want to go there and I want to look at this and uh, uh, emphasize some things that the Lord has emphasized to me and we'll continue down this path. How many enjoyed last week but parts made you uncomfortable? You can... (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, I understand. But what I've noticed is, is that the church as a whole doesn't talk about certain things that it should But yet the world will talk about them, and it won't make the church uncomfortable when the world does. And so there's a a problem there, and and we need to address that issue because the Lord, the Lord himself, he's not intimidated by the deeds or desires of the flesh. He knows what they are, and we don't need to be intimidated or become uncomfortable when they're discussed. Now, I mean, we're doing our best not to talk about things in a gross way, but yet you still need to have an understanding of what's said in the Scripture. Because we live in a culture that likes to downgrade things. Have you noticed that? They, they don't call certain things, they, they, they find the Bible too harsh, they find certain words too harsh. You can't say it that way. The problem is, certain words need to be, quote unquote, come across a little more uh, 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 straightforward because of the results they can produce in people's lives. Do you know Jesus didn't go around calling everybody snakes, hypocrites, and vipers? But he did call a certain group that. And do you think Jesus was just like, I'm so frustrated with you stupid religious people. You're a bunch of vipers, you morons. I can't stand you. That's not what he was saying. You say, well, how could truth come across where Jesus would make the, say the, speak the terms or speak terms like that of snakes, 
hypocrites and vipers. How could, how could he do that? Why would he do that? Because there came a point where truth had to be so blunt that it shook them to realize where they were because they believed they were clean and they were dirty. Do you see, and people think, well, but the, can the culture get that way? Oh, yeah, the culture is that way. I've heard, and I shared a little bit last week about this, but there are, there are things in our culture that used to be hidden that are no longer hidden. We used to have terms like, well, it's in the closet, no longer in the closet. There's no more closet in the room. It's now to the point where certain things are being taught to little kids that potentially could destroy them and cause and will cause major problems in their life. And people say, well, you hate those people. I love those people. And I love the people that teach those things, but that love is not absent. True, true love is not absent of truth. So in other words, you can never separate love from truth. They always go together. Do you know you can actually speak truth without love, but you can never speak love without... Well, just read your Bible readings. You'll see it in there. It's true. Amen? Some of the greatest words that were ever spoken to me when I was in a life of sin were, you need to repent, boy. It didn't just bless my flesh to hear that. But when I was by myself and nobody else was around and I was, it was just me and God in thoughts, you know, people say, well, God doesn't speak to sinners. Are you kidding me? I was good and he spoke to me. You say, what do you mean good? I was good at sinning and he spoke to me in the middle of it. You say he did? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you speak truth to somebody concerning the desires of the flesh or concerning anything that, you're, that, that is opposite to who God is, and you're sharing about his compassion and mercy and redemption in that truth to them, you, they can absolutely reject you, they could spit on you, they could run away, but in the end, they'll be alone at some point, and they'll be left alone, and it'll be the Holy Spirit going, hey, you should repent. Those very words that you spoke that are the Lord's words will come back to them, and they'll get opportunity to fellowship with the Lord, and either accept or reject, either soften or harden. It's not our job to choose for people, but it is our job to present truth in love. Amen? And everyone has family, friends, co-workers in this place where truth you know needs to be spoken, it needs to be shared, and God's going to give you opportunity, and you need to share it in love. Even if you lose the friend over it. Well, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know if the Lord would do that. He would. The Lord will, he always, God will, he will always take the risk of you rejecting him for the truth that he will declare to you. Amen. If he wasn't that way, he wouldn't have given us free will. Amen. But we get to choose. And don't, as people of faith, don't give up. You don't know how bad it's gotten. You don't, you're not seeing how, how 
deep and powerful the resurrection was. And a lot of times we're judging things from the natural instead of trusting in the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Amen? Years ago, and I'm, I'll get to the message here. We'll get through some definitions for those of you that like to take notes. <laughs> Years ago, I was in a service and I ministered to a lady who was worrying about her kids. Just, she couldn't even sleep at night. Her kids are asleep. But she's just worried, worried, worried. Her heart would race, you know. And, uh, and I, so I, I was ministering uh, in, in a, it was kind of a, like a line we had here, but there were a lot of ministers up there. And she came up and she said, I just can't sleep at night. I'm just worrying and thinking about. And as she's talking to me, the Holy Spirit said to me, tell her that I love her kids more than her. That's a good word, isn't it? In other words, sweetheart, you're not God. And you'll sleep at night if you'll put them over in God's hands. Amen. If you release them, you say, well, how do I do that? Lord, I just surround my kids in faith and love. And I thank you that your angels encamp around about them. How many of you know God's not derelict in his duty to his word? But sometimes if our natural thinking takes over, we can miss it. Amen? So he's moving. He's actually speaking to your kids right now that are not serving him. He is. Are you helping him with your faith or are you hindering him? Amen. All right. I don't know how I got off on that. It's just prophetic preaching. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so we need to realize this and speak truth in love. But we do not need to be afraid to speak truth. Well, it's the cancel culture. There, I don't care how long the, Hitler tried to cancel this. Still the number one selling book. Through the generations, you're never going to stop the church. The devil's wasting his time. Don't even listen to the cancel culture. Listen to God and do what he said. In the name of Jesus, we're going to cancel the cancel culture. That's what, here's the thing. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That prophetic, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about like some famous TV preacher said that with really fancy hair and a nice car. Jesus said that. It was a prophetic word and it will not go under. It will not. Amen. Okay. Galatians chapter 5. Verse number 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I don't have time to re-preach these verses, so you just have to go back and listen to them online. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, or desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things that you wish. Ooh, I just, I just feel joy inside of me after that word. The gates of hell will not prevail against the... Okay, okay anyway. So, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Thank God for that. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, hatred, or sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, don't let that verse say to you, you're going to hell. Okay? What we're talking about here, now I, I do believe that the, the deeds of the flesh could lead you to a place of the rejection of Christ, but I do not believe that the deeds of the flesh send you to hell. Does that make sense? Because if, if our righteousness, and this is one of the things Paul's addressing here, if our righteousness comes by works, then the law is still in place. How did our righteousness come? Through Christ. By grace, through faith. You know, Paul preached grace so hard that in Romans 6, he had to say, now you guys don't use this as an excuse to be fleshy. Go back and read Romans 6, you'll see it. He preached grace, 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 grace. And today we do. We have people that use grace, and there's no license in it, but as a license to live fleshy. We do, but we can't live in the ditches. We have to live in the middle of the road, okay? So we need to be aware of this. So last week we talked about, we went through all the mostly uncomfortable ones and um, where you have to deal with adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, all of that good stuff, and most of them have to do with fleshly sexual desires, and I'm not going to go through those again. If you want a, a, a rundown on them, listen to last week's sermon. So this week, and I find this interesting The next nine words deal specifically with various expressions of negative interpersonal relationships. So after people get set free from sexual lusts and these kind of perverted things, then the church, they get into church life, and this actually will probably hit more people in the church than any other area. Now, it's possible that, you know, there are people that are dealing with flesh issues, sexual issues in the church that come to the church, and that's fine. That's a part of, I mean, not that it's fine that you live in those things, but that you, you should come and hear the word and, and feed on the word and fellowship with believers that are living in a stronger place than you because it helps you grow up and be strengthened to be able to overcome these areas of your life. But what I've found is over the years in my own personal life that once God gets done dealing with you in those areas, and even if you didn't struggle with them, we'll find something that you do have a tendency toward in your flesh. Amen? We don't even have to look that hard. So these next nine deal with interpersonal relationships. The first one, and we talked a little bit about it last week, is hatred. You know, it seems strange that a believer who has the love of God shed abroad in their heart by the Holy Spirit would have a hatred issue. But you do because you have flesh. It's not your desire because you're a spirit, you're born again, Christ lives in you. How I many you know Christ is not running around struggling with hatred today? Okay? He doesn't have hate in his heart toward people. But he, but he has love shed abroad in his heart, and that love is shed abroad in our heart. So where is that hatred that you're dealing with coming from? It's the pile of meat and bones that you have to deal with. Hatred is defined as personal hostility towards someone else. Like lust, it is a mental sin. A person can be smiling and cheerful on the outside, but seething with internal hatred. 
How many of you have ever seen that before? Oh, it's so good to see you today. I just love this church and I love you. You got flesh issues. And it's actually not your nature to hate the person that hurt you. Whoa, okay. Sooner or later, that emotion will find expression through words or deeds or by destroying the mind and body of the one who harbors it inside. Did you know hatred is like bitterness? Bitterness, you've heard this before, but I'm going to say it again. Bitterness is drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. I hate them. I'm so bitter toward them. Do you know how much money they stole from me? Not forgiving is hindering the freedom of Christ and the restoration of the money you lost. If you want to hurt the devil, forgive him, bless him, and go on. Amen? Christians can have that in their life. Yes, they can. <clears throat> like all mental sins, hatred is a cancer. It harms the one it inhabits far more than the one whom it is directed to. That's why Christians are warned to put away anger. Watch out for wrath and malice. Watch out. One of the definitions here on this Greek word for anger is this, or for hatred is this. It's bitter dislike. It's abhorrence. It's malice. Watch this. It's ill will against anyone. That's the nature of your and my flesh. Well, I don't want to talk about that. Well, you can ignore it, but it's not going to help you in your spiritual development. You need to think about it and look at it, not from a condemnation standpoint, but from a convincing standpoint that the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, I got a better way for you to live. Amen? So don't allow ill will in you, even if a person is wrong. How many have been wronged in here? Everybody raise your hand, because it's so. Now, how many have wronged somebody? Everybody raise your hand, because it's so. <laughs> okay? Here's the thing, guys. We have to stay away from ill will toward people. Why don't like them? No, it's your flesh that doesn't. Your, your heart wants to bake them a pie and bless them. People say, oh, no, no, I, God would not tell me to bless somebody who's hurt me. <laughs> you need to reread your Bible. Bless those who, and do good to those who despitefully, but they're using me. <laughs> ah, You know, any old sinner can bless somebody who blesses them. But it takes resurrection power to bless somebody that has cursed you. Okay. That's spiritual growth, right? What's another word? Variance, contentions is another word here that is a deed of the flesh. Variance simply means disagreement. It has to do with being at odds with people. Have you ever met somebody? They're always in a fight with somebody. The result is dislike between two people or two groups simply because of a difference in viewpoint. As Christians, we are not required to agree on every issue of life. But we are warned against allowing our differences of opinion to lead to animosity. Another of the mental sins, which is which, with its attendant power to destroy the one who harbors it. When we find ourselves in variance with someone, we are to respond in, we are not to respond in kind. Whatever their attitude or action toward us, we are to respond, are resp to respond in love. 
We cannot allow ourselves to become a party to anger, wrath, or malice, because if we do, we will reap the bitter fruit of our wrong attitude. Variance simply means dissensions, discord, quarreling, debating, and disputes. If you feel a fight coming on, walk away. If you feel a quarrel coming on, walk away. Just walk away. I don't care if you're married. If you know that this is just going to keep escalating and get out of control, zip. Well, I just can't control myself. That's a lie. You can. And I'm going to say this very nicely to you. Stop saying that. You can control yourself. You can always choose. People pretend, you know, like you have people, you know, people end up in prison this way. Well, I just can't control my temper. Something just happens and I, I don't even know what I'm doing. That's a lie. You know exactly. Now, you may have trained yourself to just respond down that lane, but you need to do some serious work to get a hold of your flesh and control yourself. The Spirit of God lives in you. You're born again. The Bible says you have the spirit of self-control. Amen? Here's another one, jealousies. Jealousies, another word for it is emulations. This is akin to jealousy, but usually revolves around spiritual matters. In a sense, it is trying to play spiritual king of the mountain. This is interesting. It is an attitude that will not cooperate with others unless it gets its own way. We would call it like a super ambition or rivalry. How many have ever seen this before? This can also appear as a false faith. You know, uh, people, I've watched, because I enjoy sports uh, to a degree, not as much anymore as I used to, but um, I enjoy sports, I, I enjoy the competition of sports, and I've watched, uh, you know, people that have won multiple championships in their arena talk about, or make the Hall of Fame in an area or something like that, talk about one of the motivations they used to overcome was uh, like having a, 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 a contention with their enemy or with the person they're, they're uh, 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 in competition against. Like they, they'll use the words, they'll, they'll take words that have been spoken, and they'll think on those things, meditate on those things, and use that as motivation to beat them in the contest. This happens in the church. It appears as a false faith. Do you know the Lord does not say, um, if, you, if you're in a difficult situation, use the words of the person that's speaking against you to dominate that person and destroy them? Or to prove your point that you're right. I've talked about this before. I've watched this happen with preachers, spiritual uh, king of the mountain. Well, I got a revelation from the Lord, and this is what it is. And it's so good, and you, you didn't even think of it. You know, the ministers that are standing in the circle, nobody, everybody's going, man, that is really good. But they don't want you, they don't want you to think that they didn't know it. So they say something like, oh, yeah, the Lord's been dealing with me about that too. They can't just say, man, that's really good, the Holy Spirit. That is awesome. Why? Because they have this envy, this jealousy, this, I got to compete. Well, Mike preached really good tomorrow, today. Oh, I hope I preach good. Or, or Mark, you should hear Mark play the guitar, or you should hear him teach. Man, he can teach like that. Lord, how come I can't? I got I to gotta really pray and get, you know, try and be above. It won't do any good anyway. You say, how do you know? I've tried. Years ago, you say, what cured you? I had the ever-living snot beat out of me. 
by the Lord. You say, what do you mean by that? He put me in a place where he trained me and trained the pride in that area out of me. You say, what does that feel like? Have you ever watched a documentary on the training of the Navy SEALs? Watch it, and then you'll know what it feels like. You say, how do you know that? Because after I, I, I was a youth pastor for six years, that was part of it. Kink, kink, kink. You're dead, Sean. Yes, sir. Thank you. He nailed me to the wall. I was, I had, I'd graduated. The Lord said, you've done what I've asked you to do. In fact, somebody, a prophet of God, a man of God came through at the church I was at, and he called me out, and he said, the word for you is graduation. And when he said that, it hit me in the gut. How many have ever heard a word of God hit you in the gut? Hit me in the gut. I fell on the ground and started crying like a little girl. Sorry, like a baby. Okay. I am politically incorrect. Very. Okay, so anyway... Later, I was doing some work. I, in between starting the church, there was about a two and a half, two year period, whatever, that we were, I was doing some traveling and I was doing secular work, doing drywall and painting. And I was actually working at Mike's shop, and, which was right by my house at the time. So at lunch, I went home and I ate lunch. And I was watching a documentary on the Navy SEALs because it's cool, they're tough. And uh, through this documentary, I'm watching it and I'm eating food and I just start crying. And those of you that know me, I'm not really a crier. I mean, I, I can cry, but it's not like my go-to. You know, some people, it's like, it doesn't matter if they're happy, sad. It doesn't matter. They just cry. Everything is a cry. <laughs> some of you like, I, I saw heads turn to the <laughs> person sitting there. Okay. Anyway, so that's really not me. And I'm crying. I'm like, Lord, what is I'm watching Navy SEALs. You know, they're like lifting logs over their head and dealing with the ocean and the waves and they all think they're going to pass out and die because they haven't eaten or slept in hours and they're running. And this is actually during hell week, what they call hell week. And I'm crying and I'm going, Lord, and I know it's the Lord because it's not me, you know. I mean, in that sense. And I said, Lord, what happened? He said, you graduated from that. I said, what? He said, that six years was your hell week. Lord, can we reduce a, the hell week from six years to... He said, Sean, if you're a faster learner. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> walking with the Lord will eliminate jealousy. I don't need to be Mike. I don't need to be Mark. I don't need to be Rick. I don't need to be Dale. I need to be me. You need to be you. And function as God has called you to function, amen? And don't let the flesh get in, amen? Outbursts of wrath. Wrath is an outward manifestation of an inward hatred. It refers to emotional outbursts, explosions of anger. Don't do that. What about selfish ambitions? That's another word in here. It really is, it just simply means strife. Strife simply means discord or disharmony. These are musical terms relating to, mu to musicians playing together so the instruments or voices blend together as one. It is impossible for one person alone to be in discord or disharmony. Anybody ever met an island unto themselves? To have discord or disharmony, there must be more than one person involved. Strife is a group-related activity. 
<laughs> I find that amusing. It manifests itself in temper tantrums, complaining, and troublemaking. But its root source is a lack of love. Just as darkness is the result of the absence of light, strife is the result of the absence of love. As light always overcomes darkness, so love always overcomes strife. It is important to walk in love because the greatest power on because it is the greatest power on earth. Nothing can stand against it. It will always be triumphant over evil and cover a multitude of sins. So stay out of strife. Dissensions is another word here. It means seditions or, or factions or divisions over points other than personalities. So in other words, this isn't a personality issue. This is like a doctrinal, could be a doctrinal issue, something like that, something small. This is what causes religious groups to split apart from one another. Isn't it usually over some minor viewpoint rather than an individual? One person or group decides a specific doctrine or tradition must be kept at all costs. Unless it is done, they threaten to draw apart and dissolve their union with the rest of the group. That is sedition. It is spiritual treason. It's spiritual treason. It, if you want to have a division in the room right now, I could bring up biblical topics that will cause it. I'm not going to bring them up because I don't want your mind to go that direction. But how many realize this? If you say to me, there are many ways to heaven outside of Jesus, then we have a reason to split. Amen? <clears throat> That's serious. But there are other issues, like if you say to me, I don't, you're a Pentecostal, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. And I say to you, but do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? You say, yes, absolutely, I do. Then I can still be in fellowship with you. Come on. Okay? Tongues is not an issue to, to leave a church. It's not. People say, well, they just don't believe the way I believe. <laughs> well, which way do you believe? And what is it built on, and is it substantial? We talked about this last week, or we talked, actually, we talked about this Wednesday night at Bible study. Major on the majors? Minor on the You say tongues is a minor issue. Not really in my mind, but it's not going to stop me. It's not going to stop, prevent me from going to heaven, nor is it going to prevent you from going to heaven if you don't believe in it. Okay? We need to be aware of that and don't let the devil get in. I've watched people's spiritual development be dissolved because they didn't like... I, I, I saw a guy, I was in a service one time, this was before I was in the ministry full time. I was in a service one time and the associate pastor, the lead pastor was out of town. The associate pastor got up. The lead pastor was a man, he was a preach, preacher, preacher, you know what I mean? So... He, he was entertaining and, and, and kept your attention. And the associate pastor was more of a teacher. He stood right here, and he just talked like this, and he gave point after point after point. And he might have gave a little inflection in his voice, but not a ton, because that's not his personality. And this guy looked at me, and this guy starts teaching. He's teaching from the Word of God. This guy looks at me and goes, this ain't going to do anything for me. I'm out of here. I'm thinking, that's dumb. Capital D, capital U, capital M, capital B, dumb. And I never saw that guy again at that church because the style didn't fit him. 
It was the words of heaven. I don't care about the style. Give me the word. Give me the anointing. Help me. I want to hear that word. It goes down inside of me. We have different uh, personalities in our board and elder group here and, uh, and, and ministers that minister outside of me. And I'm telling you what, I get something every single time. And that none of them are like me. Thank God. That would be annoying. Wouldn't it? It's like listening to Sean over and over and over again. Get enough of that as it is, you know. I get something every single time. The, the Lord seeds something in me, roots something in me, corrects me with something. Why? Because around here, we don't have seditions. <clears throat> Amen? Heresies. Last one and this interpersonal one. We'll, we'll wrap it up here just real quick. Heresies. A heresy is an opinion contrary to the word of God. Most heresies begin as a sedition. Group disruptions over a point of order or law. Eventually, these disputes result in separation. One group holding to its opinion splits away to follow its own interpretation. Many times this interpretation is in opposition to the word of God. If so, it is heresy. Now, you want to be careful with that word. You know, because because I believe in other tongues, I've had people say it's heresy. I pray in other tongues. Even though Paul said, I wish you all prayed in other tongues. So is Paul heresy? I just, I can't go down this path. Because I think in these ways, you know, and it's like, I could go for a long ways and I, I'll get off track. But we need to be careful with that word. Is it truly a heresy? People say, yeah, how do you know? Well, I just feel like it is. That's not good enough. <laughs> well, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. That's good. You should be led by the Holy Spirit, but you better bring some evidence. Amen. You better bring some evidence and be ready. You know, I've had people, I've actually had people leave the church um, because I wouldn't stop praying in other tongues, you know, gifts of the Spirit, stuff like that. And that's fine. They don't have to stay. They're miss I believe they're missing out on something. But I've also just wanted to meet with them and talk about it, and they won't. Because really, it just boils down to it makes them uncomfortable. Do you know, I'm going to say this, you or I being uncomfortable is not a leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not. We need to know why we believe what we believe from the scripture. Now, if you can present a, a, a case to me of why you're leaving and you know what I mean? Not that you have to do this. I'm, I'm just saying, if there's substance to it, I'll look at it. And I'll, I'll analyze it and go, okay, what does the Word of God say? Where are we at? And that's how you avoid heresy. That's how you avoid getting trapped in things you shouldn't. And how many realize this? Nobody's perfect in this. Your favorite preacher makes mistakes. They do. Well, I listen to this guy on the radio every day. Good. He's a man. He makes mistakes. Or she's a woman. She makes mistakes. I could start an argument just on that one right there. It's heresy, woman preacher. Okay, so. <laughs> last one. Envy, murders, drunkenness, and revelries. Envy, 
murders, drunkenness, and revelries. Envy is jealousy without a particular target. It is also an inward or mental sin. It is the attitude that everyone gets a better break than me. Whereas jealousy is directed toward one particular person, envy is toward all. Do you see Mike's new car? He got a new car. I never get a new car. And with that attitude, you'll never get a new car. Because you're envious of Mike's car. Over what? You know how much money they make? You know, I know so-and-so. You know how much money they make? I don't, I, I'll, I'll probably never make that much money. Okay. <laughs> well, we just buy everything on a discount. They can buy everything brand new. It's not fair, Lord. And the Lord will respond, child, I supply all your need according to my, not according to your checkbook. <laughs> he didn't, God, it's like, God doesn't come to you and go, um, can we afford this? <laughs> now, that doesn't happen overnight. Anybody that's prosperous and grown financially to where they're a place where they're uh, well-supplied and comfortable, they know it grew year after year after year after year. And they walk by faith to cause that to happen. Amen? All right. Envy. So don't be envious. An envious person constantly feels sorry for themselves. Murders is a deed of the flesh. Notice Paul did not say killing is wrong, but murders. Murder is always condemned in the word of God. The Bible is explicit in its condemnation of murder, which, de which is defined in Proverbs chapter 6, verse number seven, or 17, as the shedding of innocent blood. Okay? The shedding of innocent blood. Therefore, the Bible does condone capital punishment. I could get totally in an argument on this with people. I've heard leaders of denominations say, no, capital punishment is wrong. No, it's not. It's not. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details of why I believe that right now. Maybe I'm opening a can of worm. Maybe you'll use the heresy term on me. But anyway, <laughs> killing, there is a time to kill. Okay? And um, I'm not telling you to, to figure that out or to go do that. <laughs> but last time I read Romans chapter 13, I saw Lord, the Lord put certain authority and weapons in people's hands for the purpose of executing judgment. So, it's still there. Amen? Therefore, the Bible does condone, condone capital punishment or the shedding of guilty blood, which was instituted by God thousands of years before it became a political issue. Amen? Drunkenness. Does everybody know what drunkenness is? Okay. The Word of God has always condemned drunkenness, which is the, which is the excessive use of alcohol. Drunkenness is intoxicated, it's a slave to drink, it's drinking bouts. Revelries. Revelries is a word we all use every day. Not really. This simply refers to wild parties, carousing, and brawling, which usually accompany what? Drunkenness. Okay, good. And in case you were wondering if there were more, Paul ends this section with, and such like. So if you're like on the fence, is this a deed of the flesh? Is it not? Go through the previous deeds of the flesh stated in Galatians and go, 
does it fall into that category? And if you have any inkling that it does, walk away. Just walk away. Here, here's the thing that we need to realize. And, and this goes back to that wonderful uh, bracelet thing that came out years ago, WWJD, right? How many remember that? Yeah. And what was it? What would Jesus do? I wasn't always saved when that came out, so we talked about Jack Daniels. What would Jack Daniels do? <laughs> See, the Lord will save just about anybody. He, he <laughs> no, what would Jesus do? So the question then becomes what? The question then becomes, would Jesus participate in this? If Jesus was in the room with me right now, would I feel uncomfortable doing what I'm doing? Because the reality is, he's in the room with you right now. <laughs> Amen? So you've got to watch your flesh. Your flesh will want to scroll through Facebook and stop on things it shouldn't. How many have noticed on Facebook there's access to things that was not, it wasn't that easily accessed years ago? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You got to be careful. You got to watch. Pay attention. I'm not saying because you saw something on Facebook by accident that God's mad at you and you've sinned. I'm saying you got to be aware of your flesh's desires and your flesh will go, huh, I wonder what's going to happen next on that little TikTok video. Some of the older people in the room are like, what's that? TikTok? That's what a clock does. <laughs> Sorry, that's mean. <laughs> that's a little mean. <laughs> what's, a, what's a TikTok? What's a, okay, so you need to be aware of that. And people say, well, I, you know, I, I can't help it. Then you need to get rid of Facebook. Well, I, that doesn't sound like freedom. It will be once you get under self-control, and then the Lord will let you have Facebook back. You say the Lord's like that? Yeah. I couldn't own a video game system for years. Years. Because I was addicted to them. For years. Now, I go, I go months without playing a video game. <laughs> My wife, she just went, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> I stand with me. You're listening so well, I'll just keep going. I need to get you on your way. It's a holiday weekend. <laughs> um, it took me years to get that area of my life under control. I had to grow spiritually. But that's okay. Now I could have any, you could put, you know, you could put any amount of video game, anything in front of me, and I'm not like... You know, it doesn't control me. Amen? How many know this? There are people that money controls them. It just, I mean, they have it and they're like, oh, you know, it just gives them the shakes. You need to get a hold of that. Calm down in that area. Allow the spirit to lead you. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.